I wonder what Miss Manners has to say about touching someone else's painted figures with Cheeto dust-coated fingers. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to Episode 6. Today I speak with Dave Tubbs about gaming etiquette. As always, the Veteran Wargamer is brought to you by King's Hobbies and Games, retailer of premium painting and modeling supplies for the gamer. This now includes special artisan service miniatures, 3D printed models. Check out the many models available in a variety of sizes from 10 to 54mm at King's Hobbies and Games. Currently, King's Hobbies and Games and Special Artisan Service has a Kickstarter going for their Benghazi Contractor project. Uh, they've got their support levels from $1 all the way up to $600 with a variety of available uh, prizes that come with that. Starting as low as $42 for the Road Hazard Package, which includes two SUVs. Um, you really want to check these out. They're excellently done. Uh, all the way up to the $600 compound set, which includes the Benghazi CIA compound. Uh, walls, main gate, four buildings with removable roofs, swimming pool, solar panels, water collectors, curbs. So it's it's a lot of stuff that's available there. The digital renders for uh, the design for the set are pretty outstanding. You definitely want to take a look at those. With that, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we're going to talk to Dave Tubbs about gaming etiquette. <laughs> back today i'm joined by fellow veteran and gamer and good friend dave tubbs uh we're going to be talking about gamer etiquette today if you don't mind dave please uh illuminate on why you are a veteran gamer that'd be my pleasure jay uh, again yeah i'm dave uh, uh friend of jay how my veteran war gamer is essentially that i'm a vet and a war gamer um i got uh started well, I tried to get started a long, long time ago, but I ran into a couple of hiccups that a lot of people, I think, run into on these days is that this is a somewhat difficult hobby to get into. Yeah. And that, that, that dates back way back when I was a teenager. Um, in fact, I tried to get into it, but as we'll talk about later in the show, there's somewhat of a high gate built around some of these hobbies that, um, I don't know, we'll talk about it. But um, my, my my first foray into the hobby as a, in a generality was my uncle. Who was real big into fantasy forty? Uh, not for, fantasy forty k, but fantasy Warhammer and a uh, Blood Bowl. Who I used to beg to show me how to play, but would just always kind of drop me off at the shop and let guys kind of look at me funny. But um, needless to say, I never really got into it. And then I joined the army in about two thousand two, and I met a met an E six who had what I still believe to this day was a Russian mail order bribe. Who and he didn't like to spend much time at home, so he would come to the barracks. And we would play 40K on a pool table. And uh, he really got me into it. And uh, from there, I just kind of got hooked on 40K. And uh, started the Sisters of Battle Army because I like to spend a lot of money and not have a lot of models. And uh, <laughs> needless to say, after that, I, I really sunk some cash into that. And um, I'm still waiting for my plastic models, even after the, uh, the fake release that, that GW laid on us. But um, after I got back from my both my tours in Iraq, I started picking up a few other few other games, a few other models. Recently, I've gotten real good with a shop down here 
-hmm. and these guys don't play 40k they um at this shop they exclusively seem to play um war machine and hordes which i'm not willing to get into right now mm -hmm. but they have a crew of about 15 20 guys that play nothing but historical stuff okay. so i've been spending i've been spending an inordinate amount of time getting into historical stuff which was another thing my uncle used to play actually interestingly enough this group of guys was the same crew that he used to run with and play all these games with so right now i'm actually painting i don't know 40 musketeers from what is this was that warlord games black mm -hmm. and shot stuff i'm they run the gamut they're a, a game of the month type crew yeah so every every actually week is a different game you know, right. I actually posted some stuff on your Facebook wall about a Crusader army I was painting. Yeah. That's where I stand now. Uh, a bunch of historical stuff. Okay. It seems to be older stuff than what you usually talk about in your show, though. Well, we're, you know, my interests range pretty pretty far and wide myself. So at, at some point, I'm sure I'll be talking about pike and shot type stuff or horse and musket. Um, I, I find it interesting that you've gotten yourself into kind of a game of the month type uh, situation with, with those guys that you're with. Uh, my brother experienced a similar type of situation when, when he was uh, in Austin. So that's, that doesn't surprise me that that goes on with, with certain crowds. Um, I know of a group up in uh, East uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania. That's kind of the same way. They seem to go on, on like a cycle where, yeah, they'll be hot and heavy into ancients for a couple months, and then they switch over to Napoleonics, and they switch over to colonials. So, yeah, there's certainly Very much plenty so. of that. There's certainly plenty of that in the uh, in the uh, historical realm, and I noticed that fantasy and sci-fi gamers typically get their their one game that they like to play, and yeah. and or uh, you know, kind of for lack of a better term, their milieu. Like uh, yeah. you know, War Machine and Hordes are inter you know interchangeable, yeah. but uh, and then they stick with that until you know that runs its course. But yeah, absolutely. Until some new edition comes out and everyone hates it. Um, right. <laughs> no, uh, no, I agree completely. I don't know what the the reason behind that is. Maybe it's just that there isn't a single like system for the right. historical stuff that just dominates. Like um, with, with uh, sci-fi, you've got 40K, it dominates. Or you've got War Machine and it quad, it's like, it's, it is, it's competition. But for historical stuff, or I play primarily Ancients, man. There might be six systems out there that people right. kind of dabble in. Yeah, and there's new stuff, and there's new rules coming out all the time. Yeah. But I mean, maybe if something just kind of really puts it forward. Right now, these guys are actually into uh, bolt action, which I have I'm kind of duty bound to play a first infantry division army. I told myself that I would do that if they, if I ever got in a World War II army, um, I'd go first ID and I would just leave it at that yeah. and not go any further. And um, so I got um, I got those guys here painting out. That that's that's the real flavor of the month over here right now is bolt action. Oh yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I can see that. And uh, well, since you're into bolt action, it's it's not too far off to maybe check out Chain of Command from Two Fat Lardies. Have you seen? Have you seen that? No. In fact, you have just reached the limit of my knowledge on gaming systems. <laughs> Anything you say past that, I have no no idea what you're talking about. Okay, not a problem. Well, I think no, actually, you have mentioned C and C. Is that what you were talking about on your uh, Facebook group? Well, no. I, when I say C and C, I mean commands and colors. Okay. And uh, I'm hoping to have a a uh, a long 
episode discussing commands and colors, but that's that's planned for next year sometime. Gotcha. But uh, no, Chain of Command is a tactical World War II game, platoon level, just like Bolt Action, uh, made by a company called Two Fat Lardies. I recommend you check out. Uh, I'll put in the show notes the links to uh, the videos that Two Fat Lardies made describing how to play the game. Okay. But uh, now you had mentioned that uh, uh, playing or trying to get into playing at a at a store earlier in your youth seemed like a uh, a gate that you had to enter through, and I think that's an excellent segue into our topic, which is etiquette and how to interact with other people and other gamers. And I think for for many people, just interacting with gamers is difficult. And I don't know if there's a higher percentage of people that might be described as you know having Aspergers or possibly. And I don't want to. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't want to use this no, in no, a pejorative no. sense. But you know, maybe somewhere on the autism, on the autism spectrum. But I, 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 I think that there are a significant number of gamers and other hobbyists that that might not have the social graces, for lack of a better term, down, and that might, you know, that might put some people off. So well, I, I think that's a good place to start. No, I agree. It's, um, great segue, in fact. Oh. It's as if we planned it. Um, but I don't know if I would blame it so much on Asperger's, although I have met quite a few people. And as you say, not to be pejorative, but quite a few people at the shop or just through the hobby that just... There's a certain level of detail, which this hobby specifically could allow someone to get lost in that could appeal to certain things like that. But I can't speak to I'm not a psychologist or anything. I can say that the experience of walking into a gaming shop that where you don't know anybody and like a, a maybe and especially if you don't know the hobby at all it's very difficult i liken it i typically liken it to walking either into like a really a dive bar that you don't really know very well or mm-hmm. a tattoo shop yeah all the same they're typically in those places and in game shops you have people that just live there and <laughs> they are part of a crew and if you're not in that crew you get what i liken to like a a stranger walking into a like a a saloon in a western where everyone lifts their head and they look, and that's a very uncomfortable feeling. You know right. what I mean? <clears throat> right. And, but um, no, I, I think I think you, you're definitely onto something there because it's, and we've seen this more recently in the wider, for lack of a better term, geek culture with the popularization of. Uh, of uh, geek culture as far as, you know, the the Marvel and DC movies coming out. People are hopping on that, really digging it, and that's cool, and I yep. and I appreciate that, but there's a certain subset of of geekdom that views it... wants to gatekeep. Yeah, that views it possessively, yep. and yep. I haven't necessarily seen that with, at least from employees in a game store, there's a little bit of that in those hybrid game and comic stores though that I've seen and yeah. you know it, and if you're a regular at one of these stores or if you run one of these stores and I'm wrong I'm I sure I'm sure I am because my experience is not universal of course no one's is but I've seen it and you know people coming in asking questions getting eye rolling oh that you know that this kid isn't isn't cool enough to to be into what we're into or I agree which is, completely. Which, which is kind of odd in and of itself, you know, the, the geeks <laughs> saying that 
this dude's not cool enough. Well, but... you know what I think it is, honestly. Yeah, I think I think that when you when you hit a game store and you really do getting getting good with the game store, much like with you when you're in good with the with a dive bar, with you're in good with the tattoo shop. You have your little support structure that's there, and they're comfortable, and you know everybody, you know them by name, you know how far you can go with them, so forth and so on. So when you see the new guy come in, it's not not so much that you're trying to look down on him, but you're trying to save your space. Does that make sense? It does. You're, you're more defensive. I think I think that really does come more from being defensive, and because as you say, this is a, this is a nerdy game, man. 15 years ago you got made fun of for this you know what I mean right you still might get fun, made fun of a little bit for it but the guys that are in their plane right now that are, that are at least my age a little bit younger maybe got made fun of for this so when they're in there and they're not being made fun of for it people aren't stealing their magic cards or doing whatever the hell to them they don't strangers are still strangers does that make sense yeah I think that that's more where that unwelcome feeling comes from same with the tattoo shop same with the dive bar yeah, you, you have to you have to prove yourself that you're not a threat before yeah. that first entree can be made toward acceptance within that Absolutely. within that niche group. And you can see it in you can see it at a game. I saw it the other day. We were playing we playing an ancients game. I was playing my Crusaders, and this guy walked in, and you could tell he was uncomfortable, and no one knew him, and he just sat by the table and watched, and right. he was waiting for someone to say, "Hey, man, what's going on?" You know, it's in finally somebody you know you go over there and you urge him to get involved you know because we need more people you know right absolutely. Not to mention, i don't like people feeling unwell sure but um god forbid i don't know my wife doesn't want to go in a game shop with me um for that same kind of feeling i can only imagine what it is like for a woman because mm -hmm. the hobby is kind of dominated by uh middle class upper middle class white guys you know right just the way it is we have the, the money to pay you know it's an expensive hobby. Right. So and you can see it in the shop when an unattractive woman comes in. Things get a little bit creepy. You know what right. I mean? But yeah, that, that's that's the big roadblock. Right. And if I, I and believe. if you're running a shop if you're running a shop and you allow that type of behavior, you know, you just need to stand up and say, Hey, that that's not the type of behavior that we're gonna accept in this shop because at the end of the day, you know, you're driving you're potentially driving off sales. And I don't, think, I, mean, I don't think they're potentially doing it. They're doing it. They they lost my sales when I was fifteen for much the same reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, and because uh, I walked in the shop and I said, "Hey, guy, I want to know what this game is." It, it just I know what it is now. I didn't know what it was then. It was fifteen millimeter, millimeter DBA. And I was like, "Hey, I want to know how to play this game." I see guys with spears. I see guys with cool shields. I'm a fifteen year old boy and I want to know how to play war. And they said, "Here's a book. Fifteen dollars. Get the hell out of here." And you know what I did to that book? It probably sat because it's written in Barkerese. Yes. <laughs> it's essentially un undecipherable. You have it's yeah. deep DBA. We've talked about DBA in the past on the show. It's De Bellis Antiquitatis. I like the game. I enjoy it on a friendly basis. Um, I would not want to play it in a tournament setting, but it's it's written in a particularly dense style, and and many people have have commented about this aspect of that particular game so just thrusting a book at a kid and say $15 please is yeah that's you're going to get $15 but you're never you're not going to get the guy coming in to buy the models right you're not going to get the guy who wants the DBM book yeah 
Um, yeah, and that's what happened to me. Uh, quite specifically, I bought that book and I tried to read it. Just I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, and that's um, and, and I think hurt. there there are don't get don't get me wrong. There are some stores that I've that I've been to that are not like that. One in particular in Overland Park, Kansas, Tabletop Game and Hobby is a great shop where all the staff are very open and are willing yeah. to teach you, you know, as long as it doesn't t- distract them from their duties. They're willing yeah. to tell you everything that they can about the games. Uh, I got a good shop up here that I go to. Uh, this guy owns a shop. He's willing to sit down with you and play a range of game for you, no matter what it is. If mm-hmm. it's a game he doesn't happen to play, he knows a guy that either is part of the company that's his job is to come play games, he'll mm-hmm. call him. Yeah. Get mentioned, you know, get you a game. I think that's um, that's how shops should run. At least that's how I would run a shop if I had one. Right. Uh, a guy in, outside of Colleen, Texas, had a similar policy. You wanted a Necromunda game, he would set you up a Necromunda league. You know. Right. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's and that's that's the first step right there. And since we're on the topic of shops, we also got to talk about you know you got to keep your shop clean. You got to keep your shop well lit. I've been, we've both been in game shops. And most of the people listening have probably been in game shops that are just utter disasters, either organizationally or just simple, basic cleanliness. And then, you know, it's like a cave. You know, it's so dark in there. And, you know, no one's no one's wanting to, you know, impersonate Gollum in order to get to a game, you know? Yeah. And uh, either they've got too much stuff on hand and the shelves are just choked with with old products sometimes that can be cool don't get me wrong you know sometimes you can find those shops and find that gym find that yeah that uh that that one game or that one figure pack that you've always wanted and lo and behold there it is but it's got to be well lit it's got to be clean it's got to be inviting you know um i know there's a there's a shop that i I go to and i I dread going to the bathroom man i really do um again i (sighs) At some level, you were gonna gonna lose money. You know, I I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, right. And I don't know. I think in general, you know, we're we're a social species. We have developed certain cultural norms just to exist with one another. You know what I mean? Right. And I think the understand. Well, I understand that a game shop in the whole hobby is a it's a it's a safe space for all the nerds out there that, that don't want to be, you know, hassled whenever they play with the little toy soldiers. And I, I'm totally dead with them. I really am. Yeah. But you got to, you still have to, well, that might lower the bar of the bar a little bit on, on social graces. The fact that we're part of a communal, well, the fact we're part of like a community might lower the bar a little bit. There's still basic things that need to be followed by, as you said, cleanliness. Right. Um, and, I'm there 100% with you. Uh, there's a guy at the shop, and everybody knows him. He's the guy that, that doesn't shower too well, and you don't want to get in the game with him. So, right. it, you know, and it doesn't work out good for anybody. Right, and uh, unfortunately, it's almost a stereotype to a certain degree. Um, there was a <laughs> there was a Facebook post on a in a group that I'm kind of tangentially connected to that someone actually had to put in the Facebook group, you know, please shower before you come to game. And if they had to put on Facebook, that tells me that there was more than one person that was violating yeah. that basic precept, you know? Yeah. And it's, totally it's not fun. just, 
it's not just making other people feel comfortable. It's just a basic health thing, man. I and, agree. Um, and that's yeah. And it's unfortunate that it has to be said, but it has to be said. And I, uh, you know, that's that's just part of being, you know, keeping an inviting atmosphere about yourself. And yeah. because at the, eventually you're going to run out of people to play with, you know, and that's what it comes down to. If you're violating any of the basic etiquette etiquette steps or precepts that we're talking about then you're going to run out of people to play eventually. And where's the fun in that? That I agree. There's no fun in that at all. Um, right. And, and you mentioned that low bar and maybe being somewhat of a safe space. And sometimes it opens, opens people up to using, you know, potentially harmful language. And yeah, I know sticks and stones and all that, but there are people that, you know, there, no, I agree. There's a particular problem along those lines. So, as I said, whenever those, whenever everyone gets comfortable uh, in the shop, and not everyone's, you know, when everybody gets comfortable in the, in this space, um, true colors start coming out. Well, it's a, it's a saying that you're always the meanest to the people you like the most, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, this this kind of comes out, um, especially at a shop. And at the shop that I tend to go to, there actually was a big problem with the guys who played older stuff, and um, that problem was. It's a big sign in the shop. It says no cussing, no cheating, no yelling, or you get kicked the hell out, right? Right. And I think that's a generally a good policy. You, you, on top of everything, you don't know the people who are next to you. You don't want to be dropping the F bomb. You don't want to be dropping any of that stuff, even if you're comfortable with it. Uh, I'm comfortable with it. I was in the Army. Right. I am very proficient <laughs> at my use of colorful language. I think it really helps express certain things in the English language. What I, what I don't think is good for is making people feel welcome when they don't know me. Right. And one thing, another thing Normie did teach me was that I have to, even if I don't know people or if even if I really don't like people, it's, it's better if I can just get along with people. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go seek out conflict. Right. When I've got plenty of conflict in my life already. Exactly. Um, on those same notes, while I might be very proficient at the use of various language, I don't need to exercise that proficiency in front of a 15 year old kid who's playing magic next to me you know right. what I mean right and um, that's why that son is there and there's a particular problem at the shop that I used to go to well I currently go to but um it was the older guys playing older games and <laughs> allowing a fiction where they can slip into the character and use profanity through that character in the form of racial slurs mm-hmm. uh, I'm from the south I'm from deep south and th- this that's a problem that, that kind of lies like a cowl over everything. But mm-hmm. in this case, it's it's a particularly neckbeardy thing to do down here. And um, be it if you're playing, I, I don't play particularly modern things. Your last show was about ultra modern war gaming, and I, I know what they would say if they were playing uh, GIs versus Iraqis. But uh, right. at this shop, and this shop, they would, you know, it's it's the Japs this, it's the the Gooks that, you know, it's it's just. I I cringe to even say it on this recording. You know what I mean? Right. It's um it's it can be offensive to a degree that's that's unhealthy. Right. And um but you know I think that kind of wannabe rules lawyering around like a rule like don't cuss mm-hmm. is um it's just endemic. I mean it's it's a problem that everybody has to step up and quash because ultimately the more we say stuff like that the more we make things uncomfortable the more we look up at people oddly when they walk in the shop the fewer people are going to play these games and the fewer people that play these games are the fewer people we have to play against 
Right. The few people that are going to buy stuff from Kickstarters, uh, few people who are going to back Kickstarters, few people who need any of that stuff. And eventually, we're just going to be a bunch of old guys at a shop by ourselves. Right. And that's no damn fun. No, it's not. And, you know, I think it's, it's like you said, it's, it's one of those things that, and, it, and it's easy to combat, though. And the thing is, you don't have to be confrontational. And it's yeah. just as simple as, hey, that's, that's not cool, man. No, I agree. You know, just you just leave it at that, and if they persist, you just you know you don't again don't don't be confrontational about it, but just say hey you know this is this is a you know this supposed you know hobbies are supposed to be fun, and when you use terminology like that, when you use language like that, it detracts from the fun I'm having, and I'd be willing to bet that you could not use that language and still just have and have just as much fun in this game as you are right now. Yeah. So why don't you do everybody a favor and just tone it down and we'll continue to have our game and we'll we'll continue on I mean, like gentlemen and it'll be it'll be a good time for everybody. <laughs> to be fair, Jay, that's that's it. I'm I'm gonna have to call you out on that one. That's 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 quite a spiel to give somebody. Um <laughs> and I mean if I'm sitting across from you and you drop drop some f bombs and some horrible racial slurs like you were like kind to do, I might not want to tell you that. You might get angry with me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, especially if I'm a 15 year old kid. That's that, honestly that's what I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned about the 15 year old kid of color, of color who walks in the shop, mm-hmm. who hears some horrible stuff. It's it's excluding to in a way that I, that I just find very distasteful. Um, right. That kid isn't going to say anything to me. You know he's not. He's not going to say anything to you. He's not going to say anything to anybody. He's just going to leave. Right. And not come back. And not come back. And not explore what good this hobby can produce. Yeah. And and not get to know anybody in the shop that, you know, it's it's a problem. Right. But um well, let's you know. I think we've flogged that particular horse to death at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um Let's take a step back from the big issues and let's just talk about the kind of the the nit not really nitpicky but just kind of the the gear grinders for lack of a better yeah, term. You know, ge- I think this grinds is, our gears. I think and, these are the nuts and bolts of uh, of this show actually what we're about to get into. Right. And I think when it comes down to it, yes, we are playing with toys. We're not playing with you know, twenty four karat gold encrusted and bejeweled items but at the very minimum you know the models that we use the terrain we use these are these are things that people have spent some time modeling and painting and they take pride in them and they don't want to see them damaged so the cardinal rule of playing with other people's stuff is you know ask before you pick it up yep now i'm gonna have to interrupt you do you know much about 40k man we have to talk about 40k oh yeah i play sisters i I mentioned that before right do you know what a penitent engine is yeah, it's it's a rhino with a bunch of lead stuff crammed. No, no, no. That's a you're thinking about an exorcist. A penitent engine is this giant. Oh yeah, it's a dreadnoughty kind of thing. Alien machine looking thing. Like like you know how she got into the 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 thing in Aliens and yeah, the power pincer. Yeah. yeah, it's like that except you cram a heretic in it. You make them go insane. You put giant saw blades on them and, and big heavy flamethrowers. Really yeah. cool idea, right? That's part of the reason we like 40k. Right. Is that insanity. That, that goofy the problem stuff. with it is is that model is just brutal. Um, it it is the worst designed miniature I've ever in my entire life seen. The entire thing it might be ten pounds of lead that's balanced on a 
ball joint right in the middle and it's super heavy to the fourth to the yeah. front so you can never put it together without pinning it in about 16 different places and dumping a tube of um super glue on it yeah and i cannot tell you the amount of times i've had people pick that thing up and have it just crumple like <laughs> i'm trying to, i'm trying to think of the appropriate like metaphor like how that thing crumples um oh man what's that movie where it picks up the 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 document and it just falls to pieces in his hands um it's it's a thing of absolute horror and you say that our models aren't made out of bejeweled diamonds and gold but this thing for me is it's my magnus opus i've spent a lot of time painting this thing and at the worst case scenario i've seen somebody pick it up look at it and say this looks really cool and put it on the edge of a table oh. turn knock that table and knock it down the floor and just shattered it and uh, i cannot tell you how much i hate when people pick up my stuff yeah without asking yeah that's and that's just basic common courtesy you know that's you don't even have to be a gamer and you should know that yeah totally yeah and there's that rule extends to dice um some people are are a little bit funny about i'm not funny if you want to use my dice you can use them but some people don't like other people using their dice so i mean when you're in a situation where you can say, well, this guy's obviously kind of funny about his dice. Let me ask him before I scoop up all 15 of those things and throw out an armor save. I mean, it might be easy because he just rolled all those hits and he got all those hits and all those wounds. You know, all you need to do is scoop up five of them and roll three pluses, but they're his dice or the herd dice. Right. And you need to ask about that. Right. And and that, you know, for a for a friendly game or even a tournament game for that matter, you know, you you should really bring your own dice and your own pencils and your own pens and have your army list put together properly so you're not flipping through the book and spending 30 minutes just looking for stats. You know, that's just basic preparation. There's not a gamer alive who doesn't have enough of his own dice because, you know, I'm, I'm just looking around in the bunker here and I can see three bricks of 36 d6s just right with an easy shot and oh look there's a crown royal bag full of <laughs> full of dice also oh look now, another brick of 27 dice oh look my yeah. big box my play-doh box full of dice you know i um I'm, I'm gonna step out of the box here i'm gonna say before i go anywhere else right um uh, that i'm sure you want i'm sure you agree with me but i'm just i'm gonna answer for you you agree with me but everything we talk about i People are going to do. You can be the greatest gamer in the world. You can be this guy or that guy, as people online talk to talk about them. But you're going to mess up. Some things you're going to do. I, I, me, myself, I'm guilty. I don't have a lot of dice. I never bring dice to games, and people hate me for it. <laughs> they, they absolutely hate me. But I guess everything we talk about is not supposed to necessarily be etched in stone. People are going to mess up, but... The ultimate goal is to that's the ultimate goal with just being around other people it's just to not make people feel uncomfortable and hate you you know what i mean right and my big failing with this is i never bring my tape measure and always forget my dice i'm looking at my toolbox right now i keep all my stuff in the toolbox magnetized and i know my dice aren't in there i know they should be because it would make it so much easier if i could just pick it up and go if my but that's what I, in fact what i do just my dice are never in there right well i, I think they're there's a lot to be said for intent, and you've got they the intent in there. <laughs> they are in there. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, well, you've got the intent anyway, so <laughs> yeah. that's important, you know. Um, I, I'll tell you this. An honest mistake is one thing. Habitually yeah. not bringing stuff, 
because you just don't right. care is another. No, absolutely. Um, you, and it will, it will go so far as if somebody were to go out of their way to be just, dude, don't use my damn dice. Oh, forgive me. Dude, just don't use my dice. I would be, you know what? How much do dice cost at a game shop? Yeah. Just buy another one. Um, right. It, and it's that easy. And that's how you end, actually end up with so many stacks of dice. Right. Well, but, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to have different colored dice for different purposes. And, yeah. You know, you don't, okay, you don't have to, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in your general idea was, was very sound. And I, I agree 100%, even though I can't live up to it. I'm a hypocrite on this. You need your army list set up. You need your figures. You need all this stuff. You can't get to a game that's supposed to be a seven and just start drawing up a 2,000 point list. That's going right. to take you to 740 to get that done. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. 100%. And that, I was gonna say that, that extends to terrain. That extends all, all to everything. You need to help bring it. This is a cooperative endeavor. No one can be the sole sole person carrying this entire bird. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then once you start, once you start playing, you know, you know, keep it keep it legitimate. You know, there there's no reason to cheat. You know, for the most part, even in a tournament, there's no reason to cheat because at the end of the day, it's just a game. You know, no. even, if, even if there's fabulous cash and prizes at the end of that tournament, it's yeah. it's not worth getting the label of a cheater and not being able to play with anybody. I'm with you completely. In fact, if I I, I said that everyone's going to mess up, everyone's going to break a few of these rules. If I can institute like one two rules right now that everyone just has to follow no matter what. That's the no racial slurs, mm -hmm. no matter what time period. You need to follow that. That follow that rule. Yeah, I would bet. Um, and next one is don't cheat. There's nothing. But nothing worse than a cheat, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Beyond is there is no reason to beyond the fact like there's no reason to cheat. Like, what do you gain from cheating besides winning incorrectly? Right. Um, and that's what every once in a while to stop, you'll see the guy. You see a guy do it, and you know it, you can tell. You can see it in his face. Like, should I pick up that die? Should I do it? Should I do it? Should I reroll that die? And you see him do it, and you can see the the anguish that happens when he does it, and sure i understand that we all have like this primal urge to win but you didn't win right if you cheated yeah and there's you know yeah there are there are loaded dice that you can buy and of course they'll say you know novelty purposes only but i'm not yeah I, I, can you buy does, does that really exist yeah loaded dice exist yeah you can totally buy loaded dice i'll be there oh yeah i'm yeah they're out i never there. knew um, I did. I did hear once that uh, if you had perfectly square dice, you know what I'm talking about. Besides, like the rounded corners. Yeah, casino dice. Yeah. Yeah, they're more likely to roll ones. No, I don't. Non-square dice. I, don't, I have no damn. I have no idea. It, uh, if if you ever take a look, go out. <laughs> I recommend. I'll I'll put this in the in the in the show notes. Game Science. Game Science is a company run by a dude named Lou Zachi. Um, I think Lou's down in either in Louisiana or Mississippi. To be honest with you, I don't remember. Performers are better. And he makes perfectly shaped dice, and that's his okay. deal. And okay. he goes to the big game conventions and shows his dice, you know, a stack of his ten, you know, a stack of ten of his dice next to a stack of ten dice from a variety of other manufacturers. And on some level, all of the other dice don't measure <laughs> up because of the manufacturing okay. process. Yeah. Now, most of the dice that most of us own have the rounded corners, and that's yeah. because of the way they're made. The yeah. way they're made is they get injection molded, they get painted all over, 
-hmm. and then to remove the paint from everywhere except where the pips are or the numerals are they get thrown into a rock tumbler and they're basically sanded sanded off in the rock tumbler with various grades of of uh, tumbling agent I had no idea yeah, yeah, the, about that. yeah, and what happens is over time, as they're in the tumbler, you know, some one side might get shaved down a little bit more than another side, or one yeah. corner might get rounded off a little bit more than another, and so co- you come up with imperfect dice that are gonna favor certain numbers. Huh? And so your buddy makes artisanal dice. Well, he was making these dice back <laughs> in the seventies. Yeah, and uh, he was also the dude that first made the very first. Star Trek miniatures back in the 70s based off the designs from the uh, Star Trek technical manual by Franz Joseph. So the original designs of the original uh, from the original show in fact. So That's pretty, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put Game Science and Luzachi in the show notes for sure. Um, it's worth checking out, but yeah. um, well, let me jot this down real quick. Um, yeah, it's you know, dice or dice. And yeah. Unless you're using casino dice, uh, they're they're gonna be imperfect. Now they're not gonna be fully loaded because you can buy loaded dice. But okay. at the end of the day, you know the dice, the dice. If you're having un- you know if you're not having luck with dice, switch them out. It's not a big deal. Well, you know, I think we can all agree at this point in time, there's no such thing as luck that exists. I mean, we all sure when I'm watching the A's play and they're down, I I. I put my hat inside out. Sure, that's what you do, but we all know that luck getting real, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm about to go off on a tangent. Uh, people who get a really defensive about their lucky dice kind of kind of get on my nerves a little bit, but uh, I understand it. They're right. dice. They can be like that, you know? Um, right. I apologize. I, I just no, okay. kind of sidetracked you, Jack. No, it's cool. Since, <laughs> since we're talking dice, and yeah. something that happens all the time, especially if we're playing a game other than a board game. If we're playing a game with any type of terrain, you're going to end up with cocked dice. Now, cocked okay. dice, for those that don't know, means it's a die that is not perfectly flat. and Or at the very least, it's not when you roll it, <laughs> it's got a corner that's up or maybe it's got an edge that's up on a, on a figure base or it's on a piece of terrain or something. It's just not quite like the others. Now, no, I, I'm... Now, I'm gonna disagree with you on that definition. Now my that's my definition. Now I know some okay. people say, well, if you can stack another die on top of it and it doesn't fall off, it's valid. I I just I just make it real real simple. Okay. If it's not flat, it's cocked. And ah uh, no, that's not good, man. I mean, what is flat? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm asking an important question. Let me ask you a question. Okay, here's my question to you. My hypothetical situation. I got a handful of dots. I throw them in the air. <laughs> And they fly like a seagull. And then they come down and they give me nothing but sixes, nothing but wounds. And I have one die. And it is on a hill, completely flat against a 45 degree, mm-hmm. uh, for that 45 degree hill. Is that die flat? No, it's not flat. What, what do you, well, how is it not flat? It's on a slope. It's, okay, l- let me say this. Okay, the six, You're saying it landed die. naturally on the, on the slope. And, it's not, and is no longer moving any further. Okay, I'm looking at a die right now, right? Okay. The number I'm looking at the six pips on the exact opposite side of that die is one pip, right? Right. I'm saying I throw that die in the air. It lands on a okay. I got my table. On my table <laughs> is a hill, right? right? That hill has a 45 degree slope. Sure. Now, you follow me? I'm with you. Okay, this die hits that hill and lands on six. 
Okay. That one pip on the bottom of it is resting completely. Its surface is completely touching the surface of that hill. That means my die is cocked at a 45 degree angle, right? Right. Compared to the table. Compared to the table. Is that die flat? No, because it's a 45 degree angle. To of the course table. it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the okay. deal. Here's the deal, Dave. Okay. Yeah. In, in those in those situations, and you can ask just about anybody who I play with. Yeah. I even if it comes out to my advantage, I will yeah. go ahead and say, "Hey, that die's cocked. I'll pick it up and re-roll it." I uh, because I I want that consistency. I'd like I like the dice to be perfectly flat. Now, no, you know what? Now in those situations, you know if if my opponent isn't like that, then so be it. But at the very least, I try to be as consistent as I can. Yeah. And. At a minimum, at a minimum, if you can't, if you really can't tell what, what face is up, then, then we need to have a brief discussion about whether or not a, a die is cocked. Now, hopefully, no. hopefully, it's not some type of roll where, you know, the game is hinging upon the result of this one die roll. Now, yeah. the easy solution to that is you use a box top or a dice tower or yeah something of that something similar to roll the dice in yeah but we don't we don't all do that you know that um, well, everyone next, picks up well that's an extra piece out. of equipment for you to forget dave yeah exactly um and i'm gonna um so what i, I love to roll right in the middle of the table i think there's something to it i love dice right there's a certain feeling when you get a big handful and you, yeah. you got 30 sisters of battle and they're all just throwing a stupid amount of bolt bolter bolts down range and you just it just it's nice to pick up the die and just have that anxiety and just dump it around the table. Right. You know, there's something I think that's part of the reason why we play, right? That right. that anxiety and uh, that payoff and it's right there in the middle and you can be happy about it right there instead of going to this stupid dice tower and drop, dropping them all in there. Now, there's obviously drawbacks to that. You're knocking over terrain. Right. You're doing all kinds of stuff. But um, I'm I'm still disagreeing with your cock definition over here. But I think that. Rather than get into what I believe is cocked, right, which I could very well spend about 45 minutes arguing with you about, I think you do hit on something that's very important and it's consistency. Right. I think I think that cocked die specifically is something that you got to talk to somebody about yeah. before you even roll a die. And if it's your bad definition of anything not completely perpendicular to the table, well, then that's just going to happen. That's going to have to be it, um, as long as you agree to it. Because... There are going to be rolls where my Terminator fails to save, and that die looks cocked to me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and no, no matter what it is, if you have a Terminator and it's going to fail that save, that die is going to look cocked. Right. And you can't help it because you just want it to uh, pass the save, you know? Um, and it's consistency and agreement beforehand really nips all that right in the bud, man. Right. And, and, uh, and I think a. Uh, you know, you see that a lot in some games where there might be, you know, terrain especially. Especially when you're talking about games where you've got a little bit more free freedom in designing your terrain. So, like your science fiction and fantasy games. Okay, what does this building represent? What type of cover does it give? Are there particular, yeah. are there particular rules regarding entering or exiting it? You know, yeah, totally. you know, all that sort of stuff needs to be needs to be ironed out ahead of time and it's it's one thing to say well we've always played it that way well i don't know that coming into your yeah. group so you know please let me know ahead of the game that way 
I can know what what I'm looking at. And if it's gonna be one way, don't change it midway through. Totally, you know? I agree. And I, and I agree with you that if, especially if if you are a member of a group that someone else is coming into play and they're either new to the game entirely or just new to the group, the onus is on you to explain this stuff. Um, granted, they should. You need to ask if you're new to a group. You should ask these things too. I mean, we both we all have these, as we said before, mutual obligations to make sure that we're all on the same page. But um, I agree. You need to when a table gets set out, we need, we need to know if I go up that ladder, how much movement is that going to take? If I go into that that force, that wooded force, is that going to take up a quarter of my move? What exactly has happened? Um, and you know. Even if <laughs> some things are going to happen, you know, um, even if you you lay everything out. And I, I've had this happen to me too many, too many times playing Pike and Shot, which is that Warlord game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warlord? Yeah. Is that Warlord who makes it? That's Warlord. Yeah. Um, where I have had the smallest tip, maybe a millimeter of a cavalry stand, just clip some terrain. Mm-hmm. And have that cost me a quarter of a move. And the guy I was playing against was just being insistent on that costing me four inches of movement right. or however much movement. Um, that's just the way it's got to be, you know. If we all understand that that's dangerous terrain or that's difficult terrain, I can't, I'm not going to get upset about it, you know. I just right. didn't didn't lay him out as well as I could have. That's that's why you lose games, you know, because you just don't do as well as you could have. Right. Um, but I'm with you. And I'm going to bring it back to dice for one second because I don't want you to leave this without me <laughs> saying two things about dice that really upset me. Um, you know, I say upset me. I don't. This isn't me and Jay just coming out with what things we hate about gamers, but things about etiquette. Maybe I should phrase them in the positive. Um, a good thing. One of those first rules that should always, always come out of the game is that a die on the floor never counts. Exactly. Never, ever, ever counts. Because, and you'll see it happen. You'll see a guy roll a bunch of dice, and you'll see that one dice just fly off that table. And almost every single time, if this has not been discussed beforehand, that person will look and then say whether it counts. Right. And it might they might not even admit to do that, but, I mean, if you, if you drop it down on the floor, the first thing you're going to do is want to look for it. Right, and because you don't want to lose the, lose the die. Plus, you want to see what, what came up, you know? But the first <laughs> and you got to that opens the door to uh, an argument immediately. Right. Because, well, now he looked. Now he, she looked. Now she whatever she says is, t- is tainted by the fact that they saw that die hit the, hit the floor. Right. In fact, if, I, if I'm ever in a game and I, and I roll a die on the floor, I, I make a point not to look if I have not said dice on the floor don't count first. You know what I mean? Right. I always look them dead in the eye. I, I raise my chin to the ceiling and then lower my eyes to see them so they can know I am not see looking at that die before I tell them dies on the floor don't count. Right. And um, and the next thing, and this one really gets me, is when people pick up a handful of dice. In 40K and um, Games Workshop games, you typically roll a whole bunch of dice. Yeah. Um, you might be rolling 20 dice. If you're playing, God forbid you play orcs, you're rolling 50 dice sometimes. You're rolling a bunch. And you can see guys or, or ladies take up two handfuls of dice and do a really big shake, and they're getting into it and they're having fun, and they're just getting kind of vibrant. And one die pops up, and it sails about a foot in the air, and then it hits the table. And uh, and then they'll look at it and they'll say, "Okay, well, let me just roll that with the rest of the dice." And they'll pick it up, mm-hmm. or they'll say, "Oh, that that's a hit," and they'll set it aside. There needs to be a clear standard on that. 
before before I don't care which way it happens. I typically I do care. I typically say if a if a die pops out like that, put it back no matter what it was. Right. And roll them all together. Agreed. Um but that needs to come out. I there's a kid who plays at our shop. He's probably sixteen and he is when he starts to not do well, he starts to get real lazy with his dice rolling. And he gets kind of meh kind of emo about it. And um <laughs> he'll just kinda of smush dice across the table and kinda of, haphazardly drop them and when he's shaking them he'll go and like 15 of them will flop out and you can tell he's doing it he'll be like okay well that one counts you know and it goes back to the cheating thing but it, and at a certain point I'm a 32 year old man I'm not getting in an argument with a 15 year old over him cheating at dice you know what I mean Right. in, in a crowded shop that's just not when he's losing anyway it's just not what I'm going to be doing so I mean all of these things again get taken care of if beforehand you can say hey three quick rules don't follow Jay's cock die theory That's, it's insane <laughs> second anything on the floor doesn't count and third roll all the dice together right it's that easy it, that took me less than 20 seconds to say and I got to make fun of you while I did it you know I that's worth it worth it yeah totally <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to go off on a diatribe about it, but that one really gets to me because that. Remember when I said that you can see a guy when he when he makes a decision to cheat, right? And you can see that hit him, and that's when you really can. Whenever he drops that one die, mm-hmm. and he makes a decision whether to pick it up and roll again, right? Right. And um, yeah, and and at at a minimum, at a minimum, no matter what, when the game's over, look the opponent in the eye shake their hand and say good game yeah I agree totally especially if it wasn't <laughs> no yeah no 100% because no matter what even if the guy is a cheat and even if you know what even if he's not a cheat even I've had it happen man to just get tabled so badly and they and you deserved it because you were just not as good as them and you feel bad about it um uh, I got tabled by the Eldar not too long ago and it felt bad Mm-hmm. I felt like a, a like a lesser of a gamer, right? I've like I've spent so much time painting these models. I've spent so much time think just thinking about lists I could build to beat stuff. And this guy made me feel like a chump. Yeah, this is you your sister's army, or are you playing yeah. something else now? Oh no, I'm still with 40k. I've got sisters and a few other things, but my sisters are my go-to. I don't do very well with them, but I like playing them. You know, they're yeah. kind of they're fluffy. You know, and yeah. um, I can always at least hold my own unless I'm playing. You know, this guy playing Eldar. Who just I don't get halfway up the table. You know, I could I could complain about Eldar for an entire show. But yeah. at the end of that, <laughs> I want to be able to play this guy again. You know, I want to be able to not only that there's a certain reputation you have. You know, I'm not a I don't like being a you have to lose and win with a little grace. You right, know what exactly. I mean? Um no one it's it's beyond at least for me, it goes beyond people wanting to play me. I'll always be able to find, you know, I've, there's some honorary guys out there that no matter what, they'll play. But there's something beyond, like, I'm not a bad loser. My mother taught me better than that. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. So even if it feels bad, this guy did better. Congratulate him for that and just move on. You know? Right. That's my perspective, at least. No, that's, that's, perfectly, that's perfectly valid. And, um... Well, case in point, my uh, my wife and I played a game of dungeon with my son this evening before we before we recorded, 
and he's sick, so we we kind of streamline things and we make it real simple. Yeah. And tonight it was okay, Joey. You know, your yeah, like mission tonight bit. is clear the orange rooms, clear the level two rooms. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, my wife, I kind of do the dungeon master thing, and my wife played for the first time because you know, simply because she wanted to play a game with the kid. Yeah. And um, once we got all the room, you know, once they got the the rooms cleared and tallied up the treasure that they had collected, Joey had like, you know, 50, you know, 5,000 points worth of treasure. And yeah. my wife only had like 3,000. And yeah, so she put the board ran out. <laughs> no. Funny you should mention yeah. flipping the board. Um, in the longstanding tradition of the veteran war gamer, I got to put down my brother. Uh, there was a, uh, okay. There was a game of Axis and Allies that ended exactly that way with my brother. So, um, anyhow, um, that's, a, that's a game that'll, that'll raise tensions, man. I've oh yeah, even... it will. Oh yeah, it will. But he Ooh. started going in kind of a taunting mode, and we both said at once, "No, that's not how you. That's not how you win a game. You've got to be yeah. a. You've got to be a good winner, and a good loser, and." We said, you know, no, when you end a game, you hold out your hand, you shake your opponent's hand, you say, thank you, good game. And so I'm, I'm hoping that sticks with them. Um, yeah. We'll see, but I'm, I'm hoping it sticks with them. But, well, I, uh, I agree. And I'll, I'll go one step further if I may. I don't mean to, to no, tack on to your, your, your family anecdote, um, which ahead. is very valuable. I completely agree. Um, but um, there's a tendency amongst guys that play um, to – and. I get it, and I, I particularly enjoy doing it. Um, kind of commiserating over the game that was just played. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very valid thing to do. I like to play. I like to get better. I like. I think I have a nice little mixture of fluff and crunch where I like to. I have a, a fluffy army that I like to try and seriously win with. You know, right? But I don't. But if I lose, it's okay. And I like to say, okay, well, what maybe could I have done better? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> Um, you, your 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 wife might not like it. I'm not your son might not like it. I'm not sure, but a lot of people, even if they they can stand up and say, okay, you know, the loss is okay, shake hands. I don't want you to give me a lesson on what I could have done to be better. Mm-hmm. It can be extraordinarily condescending. I can see you know that. Again. Um, but then again, I, I particularly enjoy it. Um, but I mean, I guess it's all your audience. You know, if you're playing with your buddies and that's what you do, go for it. If you're playing with the guy who kind of sheepishly came in and he's been standing by the corner of the table all day mm-hmm. you might not want to drop that on it right right or her right exactly but, uh, um yeah these are all great points um i want to take a moment uh i put out on twitter and on facebook um uh, that we were going to be discussing this topic and ask for feedback from the listeners on some, you know, some things that grind their gears, some pet peeves that they might have in, in regards to uh, their fellow gamers. Looking at Twitter, Basement Games asked uh, gamers often at cons, uh, take the time and play the game. Uh, those players that give up when losing or the plan is not working, play the game out. Um, I can kind of agree with this uh, to a certain de- degree. Um, if you take the time to to get the game together and get everything set up you know it can be disappointing to have your opponent say okay well well, I'm done but at the same time if you're you know you're looking certain defeat in the face and 
you can't realistically see any way out of it, it can be pretty disheartening to have to slog through another hour and a half of, you know, inevitability. Oh, man. I'm, I don't agree with you, man. England expects every man to do his duty, man. You got to go through it. If that guy is going to table you, you just suck it up, you know? Um, now, granted, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with your your commentary there. You if you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose. Just man up and do it. Um, that didn't. But don't don't pitch a fit about it. Just right. play like you're gonna play. Right. And I mean, but that does. There's a limit to that. That doesn't mean stretch it out. I played another game. I played a game last two weeks ago where we were down to three models on the table, mm-hmm. and uh, from a lot of models. Maybe I had my Crusader army. He had a Viking army. It was a lot of people on the table. We played that game until maybe like ten rounds. It took a long time, mm-hmm. um, but it was a, a grant. It was a, it was a good game, but um, some people kind of I don't know. I guess you, maybe I have talked myself back into your position. I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it depends on the game. Um, yeah, commands and colors is one game where victory can hinge on a single turn, and you might be down. See the it uses scenarios, and the scenarios dictate you know, what the, what the term, you know, the conditions of victory are. And yeah. normally it's, you have to collect a number of banners, victory banners. And the banners are won by either completely destroying a unit or, yeah. or killing a general. And sometimes you can get those situations where you kill a general and uh, a unit and a general in one fell swoop. So there are times where, you know, I've been playing, and I played a lot of commands and colors. It's a great game. I highly recommend you check, Anybody check it out, and of course it's going to go in the show notes. But there have been times where you know the vic- victory condition might be seven banners, yeah. and I've seen games where one guy was down, you know, like five to two, and came back to win it. Yeah. And so a lot of that depends on the game. Uh, yeah. So yeah, at a at a minimum, I think part of the social contract is hey, we're going to have a game. Don't bow out. Yeah. Just because, you know, you don't think there's a there's a way out of it. I'm I'm gonna oh, tell a quick anecdote about yeah. one such situation. Okay. Where it's about your brother. No, it's not about my brother. But okay. it's another cat that I played games with a lot when I was in Kansas City and we were playing a an older game called Demon World. It was a fantasy game using fifteen millimeter miniatures and it was uh on a hex based mat. Okay. And uh again, I'm gonna have to put that in the in the show notes. But I had a an orc force, orcs and goblins, and he had a force of basically dark elves. And um I had a I had a catapult. Well, in the rules you can't shoot over friendly units. Mm-hmm. Well, the orcs have the orcs in that game had a special special piece of equipment that you could put in your list where one war machine could shoot over over friendly units. So of course I took that, and once once he found out that I had that, he said, "Okay, for the rest of my turn, I'm going to be retreating." Well, why? Well, I can't I can't take that on. You've got you're going to have that you're going to have that uh, that catapult screened by your troops the entire time. I'm not going to be able to shoot it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be able to slog my way through those guys to take it out. So I'm just going to. I'm just gonna walk off the table, and that was kind of a, kind of a jerk thing to do. Yeah, no, I agree. So, <laughs> but anyhow, um, 
yeah, Demon World. Uh, this is a German company that originally made that, and uh, now Ralph Partha Europe has those figures. They're great. Fi they're, in my opinion, they're the best 15 millimeter fantasy figures that have ever been produced. Not even all that recent. Uh, I think they came out in the late 90s. Is when was when those figures came out. Um, hmm. Let's see some other some other show feedback that we had. Um, but no, I agree with you. That guy OG again, man. That's yeah, why I was, like. We we've played it. Yeah, we played on. I modified my my yeah. list to. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to. I I appreciate this, but I mean, yeah, I'll listen to him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's just how that works. Yeah. Uh, my general policy is that you don't quit a game unless it's fairly clear what's going to happen. Right. And both people agree to it. Um, and typically the guy who's going to lose needs to be the person that says, you know what, let's just go ahead and call this. You know right. what I mean? But, um, I don't know. No, I agree 100%. Um, let's see some other, let's see some other feedback that we got. My brother says, uh, okay. One that, and this is off Facebook, one that really gets me is not just rules lawyers, but rules lawyers who don't know the correct rules. Yeah, that's that's a double whammy right there. They'll argue blue in the face about a rule, and then even when faced with black and white in the book, yeah. they keep <laughs> they keep persisting. Oh, fair. Uh, no, I agree with you, brother. Yeah. 100%. Uh, no, I mean, you could do a whole episode on how to interpret rules. Uh, you probably should do a whole episode on how to interpret rules. There's I mean, but no, it's not fascinating. It's really nerdy, and no one really cares except for like five guys. But I don't know. I find it pretty interesting. Yeah. The various techniques you one could use to interpret rules. Uh, yeah. Well, it helps that you are a real lawyer, also. Yes, I am an actual, like, like an actual sorry. jurist doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and, and to be fair, there's a lot of stuff, man. A lot of play. I mean, it's, it, being a lawyer is just interpreting rules on a different scale. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but no, I agree with your brother. Um, I, I, I do. I make a point not to be a rules lawyer, specifically, kind of because my profession. Because mm -hmm. um, people, man, people expect it. There, there's a game out there. What is the name of that game? I can't remember. It's a wild. It's a Western game. We play it occasionally. Um, but if there's a lawyer on the table, you had it's easier to shoot him. I kid you not. <laughs> and um, I mean. There's a reason it's called a being a rules lawyer, right? I mean, right. Don't quibble over rules. Uh, I'm with you, brother. I mean, there's there's no way around that one. And I go out of my way. To, I'll specifically eat it when I know a rule is bad. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to be the guy who sits here and quibbles about this because it really is very minor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll only sit back and be like, okay, if I have a if I have the book out, I'll ask maybe a third party, maybe like, hey. You, I know Jeff. Jeff knows more about this than anybody. Knows more about this game than anybody over here. Let's ask him. Whatever he says goes. Or I'll do um, one thing that Games Workshop says is you know one two three I'm right, four five six you're right, and that's right. just the way it's going to go. Right. Um, but there's no use arguing about grammar. You're just going to make everybody mad. And right. I agree with your brother. When people are wrong about it and they know they're wrong, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he also states, uh, if you're playing in a tournament, someone using the slow play tactic. This assures them at least a tie because you don't have enough time to reach the objective, 
to outright win the game. Yeah, that's, I've never run across this, so I can't. Yeah, I'm I'm not a tournament player myself. I know that the War Machine and Hordes folks they use chess clocks to okay. uh, to do to get around that. Um, in fact, there's a there's a number of uh, chess clock apps uh, for your smart device. Yeah. So uh, that that's one way to get around that. And of course, my preferred technique for getting around that is not to play in a tournament. Yeah, I'll do. But that's a that's a discussion further discussion for another for another show. Yeah. Um, prior guest Pat Gillen says Kibitzing are just interrupting players in game. You are not playing. Yeah, um, I'm, with, I'm with Pat on this one, man. Yeah, don't don't tell me how to play my game, and don't try to distract me with with side conversation or or my opponent with side conversation while we're playing. That that can get yeah. uh, distracting unnecessarily. And you find this a lot with uh, new guys specifically. Um, and uh, you know, I don't understand how people. I don't understand how it happens, but like if a new guy comes to learn a game, what you typically end up happening is people who are either over overprotective of him or basically play the game through him like he was a little puppet. You know what I mean? Right. And um, they want to say, well, move this here. We'll do this. And that way this guy never actually plays this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you got a bunch of – when you got a crew like the guys I'm playing with, they're typically older guys. They've been playing a long time. They're in their routine, and they like their routine. They want new guys to play, but they don't like giving up control. Right. Um, so it, it, if you don't assert some dominance real quick, you don't have fun because they're just telling you what to do. Now, um, there is an exception to this, and when when I'm teaching someone a new game, especially commands and colors, um, I will I'll let them in on some of the I don't want to say gamey, but a, a couple aspects of the rules that might be in their favor. So if someone's trying to attack, I might tell them, okay. Rather than attacking this way, I would recommend you attack from this other angle because you'll get a you know you get a better bonus. Sure, and you yeah. gotta do that. And, it, and that's, it's a fine, fine, fine line. And I yeah. think well, it's like a it's it's a it's a spectrum. You know, you got the brand new guy. You can't just give him a bunch of models and say push him around and roll some dice. You know, right. you gotta say they move six inches. You know, uh, but the same token, there's there's definitely a line you cross where you're pushing guys out of hobby again. You're making it not fun for people to play because they're not even playing. Right. Um, they're just right. doing what you told them to do. Uh, I'm, I like Pat. Me and Pat, peace and carrots, man. Yeah. I agree. Um, Although I'm not really sure what kibitzing means. Kibitzing, it's like uh, just jawjacking. Gotcha. That's a distinctly army term, meaning just flapping your gums. So Is that, is that Yiddish kibitzing? Kibitzing, yeah, I think it is. Okay. Not to be confused with kibbutz, in which is going to a like communal, communal farm in the yeah, Israeli yeah. desert. Um, <laughs> Pat also mentions obviously manipulative <laughs> dice rolling techniques, which we covered in in detail. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and if you're gonna palm dice or stuff like that, that's just a form of cheating. Um. And like we mentioned earlier, being a bad oh. loser or a bad winner. Thank um, you. Hold up. Thank you, Pat. Let me jump into this real quick. Oh, Pat. Sorry. Thank you, Pat. Man, Pat, when you roll dice, pick up the failures first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. If you Okay, and the reasoning behind this is very simple. For any new gamer out there that might be listening to this, although I doubt you have new gamers listening to this, but in, in five years when this podcast has done very well, and it's now the War Gamers, Veteran War Gamers with Dave and Jay, um, <laughs> People might be looking back and listening to this to get like a decent understanding on like, hey, here's how I approach gaming. 
you'd listen to everything I said about dice. Listen, don't listen to Jay about cock dice, but listen to this one. Whenever you get a big bunch of dice, because your sisters of battle just did a ton of shots and he just got a ton of hits, and you roll the you roll wounds and you wound on threes and better, and you see a whole bunch of twos and some fives. Pick up the twos first and leave all the fives and all the sixes, because all those fives and sixes are hits or they're wounds, but the twos aren't. And the thinking mind this is this. If everything in your hand doesn't count and your opponent knows that so if you made a mistake and picked up the wrong die that's on you as opposed to if you're picking up your hits now your opponent doesn't know for sure if you picked up a two or not does that make sense that makes perfect sense um that normally saves so what many I do, arguments oh, normally that? what i do is i'll roll all the dice and then you know if i'm looking for okay i'm looking for five fives and sixes I'll yeah. start pulling out the fives and sixes and setting them aside. That no. way, no. Everyone, everyone sees all the dice, and then any, you know, like, if you're using the 40K model of hit, wound, and saving throw, well, all the wounds that I roll are going to come out of those dice that were failures, and I'll still keep the hits down. That way, it's all above board, and no one, no one can mistake what, what the rolls were. I think I misunderstood what you said. You said you roll the dice, and then you physically, the first thing you do is you take your fives and sixes and you put them over here to the yeah. left. Yeah, to one now side. The fives and sixes are what you want, right? Right. No, I move them aside. you're doing aside. it wrong. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. Well, You've been doing this wrong this whole time. <laughs> it's a technique. It's a wrong technique. <laughs> I'll tell you, you pick up the bad dice first. You, you, you don't want to touch good dice because then you're touching, you're introducing another level of maybe confusion between your opponent and, that's fair you, no i'll take that and and so if you if, if I, I make a point i I'll, I'll reach in from above i'll pick up my bad dice and i'll say these are bad that way anything that touched my hand was bad and from that point on if, even if i had knocked over a six i just eat it man all the all the misses are over here to the left and now all the dice that i've got left over those were the good dice and my opponent can see without me having touched them that they were good dice yeah absolutely no that that's a perfectly good perfectly excellent way to do it no i i'm uh i'm gonna ch i'm a changed man dave and go. i appreciate it <laughs> so, you learned a new technique. no it's hey it's a great technique i like that no it, it it completely removes any any question and i'm all about being above board and being on the level perfectly level and <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah it's no that's a great way to do things um you should put in your show notes a diagram of a 45 degree slope <laughs> with, a, with a flat dice on top of it. I'll, I'll draw you up one, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I just I think you just don't mentally see what I'm talking about. I think once you do, you'll agree with. Me. No, I understand like, what you're saying. I just refuse to accept that as the as the preferred norm. Okay. Well, so, you know. So your man Pat. Your man yeah, Pat goes on, uh, being a bad loser or a bad winner. Win or lose, congratulate your opponent on a good game and go have a beer. If yeah, you're totally. of age where you are currently playing, of course. Yep. Absolutely. That's that's a done deal. Um, both of the previous, Pat goes on, both of the previous lead into taking the whole thing too seriously. If people are having fun, don't point out that the facings are the wrong color or that grease guns weren't in use for that particular theater. It's a game You know what I saw this? What's I'm, that? Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. I apologize. Yeah. I didn't mean to... uh, don't point out that the facings are the wrong color or that grease guns weren't in use for that particular theater. It's a game with toy soldiers, not a museum exhibit. I, I'm with him. And I got a question, though. 
Where were where were grease guns used? Because I have like a I seriously have a U.S. force. Mm-hmm. I guess I could just Google it, but I want Pat to get back to me, man. No, uh, Europe, European theater of operations. Good deal, man. Yeah, uh, first yeah. Grease guns were more commonly used uh, in Europe than Thompsons were. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Now Tom- I got to go pry off some Thompsons, man. I'm not saying that Thompsons weren't used. <laughs> I'm just saying that grease guns were more commonly used. I, I really did not know that. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to the end of the show. Dave, I yes, appreciate sir. you coming on. Thank I you appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe we can uh, have you back on again in the future. I'd like that. And uh, Maybe get me some of my own intro music. That's, Change uh, me from Sean, put me on top billing. <laughs> well, I agree. Let's do it. Just okay. to, uh, I'll see you next week, bud. Just, just to get the, the listeners into the joke. The, the first time I mentioned the idea of doing a show with him, he asked, hey, can I have Millie Vanilli intro music? So, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm totally about it, man. Um, we blame him in the rain. So, on that note, on that note, um, as always, please, please, please make sure that your hobby gaming is fun. And if you're not having fun, you make it fun, okay? That is all. Better for Gamer is copyright J. Arnold 2016. Show notes are available at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com.